Hey, Rachel. Hello, Brian. So tell me, how was your week? I'm just so like disoriented right now. You, you know, seem oriented. You Are you know, okay? <laughs> like, you know that feeling when you time travel back to 1999 and then you have to come back? And not only are you hungover from partying like it's 1999, but re-entry into 2019 is causing like an out-of-body experience. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I hope we're going to get to it. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, you, Rachel, you were babbling about out-of-body experiences in 1999. What the fuck are you talking about? So I went to my college reunion over the weekend. Oh, yeah, Cornell. Congratulations. thank you. On on your graduation. And I guess the the thing is, like, when you graduate college, you're so filled with optimism about the future. And here we are 20 years later, and everything's terrible. It's gotten worse. I don't even know who I am or what's what's going on. Well, they always say, like, our children... Children's lives, the world we leave our children needs to be better than the one that we have. And it's been the opposite. It's been the it's opposite. far, far worse. But I, I don't know if it's... Be, I think it's because of the times that we're living in. I don't think this has always been the no, case. No, no. Um, but so, like... I don't know. I had something happen to me today that kind of reinforced this out of body experience that I've been having. Do you ever get these messages on LinkedIn from like recruiters? Well, that's, a, that's a topic job. Wait. So you're having so an out of body like experience going, related to LinkedIn. Yeah, so like I'm trying to like settle back into work. And so I check my LinkedIn account and I get some messages. And like some of these things are bots. And then like about one in a hundred are like from so an like, actual person. Do you need person. offshore development? Exactly. Make money while you sleep. There's all these like weird... I'll help you generate sales leads. Absolutely. Right. So this week, today, I got a message from someone named Babita Garg, who's based in <laughs> India. Garg. Garg, G-A-R-G. Okay. And she's a marketing executive at a company called Salesgasm, which I guess is like sales, sales mixed orga- with orgasm. <laughs> Who among us does not want a salesgasm? None of I us. I know it's, I do. It's like that, remember there was like a store around the corner from you called Shoegasm. Yes, it, <laughs> it shockingly it went out of business. It went out of business. Um, and so she sent me a note and it said, Hi, Rachel, had a detailed look at your very interesting profile and I wanted to get connected. Are you working with Rachel <laughs> and uh, for a moment i wondered like is that a, in what sense are, that? are you really working with rachel Doe? am i are we are we co-workers are we fully integrated are you o- just occupying the same physical space <laughs> i don't i don't th- it's it sort was, of like a quantum physics question it was a physics question right you're it like schrodinger's a, cat it was yes and <laughs> you so were both existing and non-existing I in went, the same space i went into like a like a dissociative internal space. like a fugue state <laughs> tailspin and and so then i i sort of reintegrated and i said yes i think i am rachel dode so yes i am working with rachel you said i am working with rachel (laughs) in fact she is my only employee (laughs) and my boss and my boss (laughs) and my assistant so um it's going to take a while for me to feel fully whole again but um my reunion was awesome so yeah 1999 was fabulous year Two thousand zero zero. <laughs> yeah. Party over. Whoops. Out of time. Okay. So, so anyway, <laughs> since we're talking about <laughs> alternate alternate states of being, uh, 
I want to talk about what's been on my mind this week, which is Chernobyl, because you recommended it in a yup a few weeks ago. Yes. And I finally went back and watched it. And as advertised, it's it incredibly uh, disturbing and gruesome, both in concept and in visuals. Um, but it it's comforting in one way. It was. And in this what is way? a little perverse. <laughs> is that like at least after 25, 30 years, there are now like a settled version of the facts because there was so much distortion going on at the time. And we thought we knew the story. And now we realize we didn't really know the story. And, you know, now that series did an amazing job of establishing the facts, showing us what was really going on behind the scenes, the incompetence, the cover up. But it also gave us the human stories behind it. So I really thought it was an accomplishment. It was amazing. And it was all like integrated from that um, Voices of Chernobyl, which is basically like firsthand accounts oral, from people who were there. Oral history, yeah. that's yeah. right. So you would think that this account is uh, is well established. However, not for everybody. Apparently, Russia's NTV network, not MTV, and NTV. <laughs> their NTV. So it's like their state TV it, network. They're all they're state all, TV yeah. network, right? So they are also releasing a mini series called Chernobyl oh. <laughs> counter programming that has what they call a patriotic view of the episode. Oh my god! And it follows. This is not fiction. This is a nonfiction, and it fo- it's like a you know a. a serialized nonfiction, it shows a a CIA agent who is set to infiltrate Chernobyl. And here's a quote from the director. He said, there is a theory that the Americans had infiltrated the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, and many historians do not deny that on the day of the explosion, an agent of the enemy's intelligence services was present at the station. This is straight out of the Putin and Trump playbook. Trump, right? I'm it's like, like I many did not, people not, say. <laughs> many people say, and I've not not denied that there is no reason not to think that the Americans caused Chernobyl. Um, and then there's one headline in that in, in a state newspaper that says HBO's Chernobyl did not show the most important part: our victory. This is a Pyrrhic victory at best. No, the victory they claimed is that they did not show the heroic actions of the people who went on the roof and the they people who like dig the thing the whole fucking showed. thing was about that it was the most sympathetic the miners and the it was a beautiful look at these people who gave their lives to save humanity that's right and so there was a commentator i guess on russian tv named Ilya shepelin and he said that the fact that an american not a russian tv channel tells us about our own heroes says everything you need to know <laughs> is a source of shame that the pro-kremlin media apparently cannot live down Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's this true. is exactly history repeating itself. If we needed any evidence that we are in the Cold War again, under, with much more dangerous stakes, this, this is it. This is it. And don't they have bigger problems than like an HBO miniseries <laughs> that portrays the Russian people in a positive light? Deadwood. The <laughs> <Right. Oz. laughs> Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> With the corrupt Western values of Carrie Bradshaw. Who is like a CIA agent. <laughs> so, I, so I think it's so it's so relevant to what we're talking about now, about the, the facts and truth and the fact that Trump is con- obviously, regardless of what the Mueller report says, is colluding and conspiring with Putin on all these things. It's the same playbook. They're doing the same playbook. They're gaslighting it's us. Just, they're, they're pulling their alternative facts 
And, it's, of, ju- and yeah. it's just a matter of time before, no matter how ridiculous that CIA theory is, before it infiltrates the the conversation here. And soon enough, right. people will be treating that as like a both sides issue. Yes. Like there's two different sides to this. Some people say... This is ridiculous. This is so terrible. There are not good, two good sides on this. No, HBO is the only, no, the good only side. hero. <laughs> <laughs> to Russian state media, we and to Chernobyl. No, no we say no. no, no, no. Yup to Craig Mazin and HBO. Nope. To yup to Ru- Pripyat. You've suffered enough. Yeah, you don't need we don't to need suffer to this indignity this. again. No, no, no shut this shut down. It down. No. no, no. Oh God. Well, at least uh, true crime, serialized true crime drama is alive and well here in the United it States. It is. So speaking of popular but depressing miniseries. Well, um, we're really revving this up, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast up on a I light gave, note. Yeah, I gave my yup to um, Ava DuVernay last week for her brilliant Netflix show, When They See Us, which tells the story of the Central Park Five, the teenagers who are accused of raping. Devastating. Oh, it's devastating. It's it's so beautifully done. And so they were accused of raping this uh, Central Park jogger in 1989, and then they were later exonerated on DNA evidence. And the villain in the miniseries Only after they had served their time. 12 years. 12 years. Like they gave away their lives for this. Yes. Yes. Um, And the villain is uh, in the miniseries is a prosecutor named Linda Fairstein, who was the head of the sex crimes unit of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Egged on by Donald Trump. Egged on by Donald Trump. Who was just like your random, you know, garden variety asshole billionaire. Asshole bloviator taking out full page ads saying that we should bring the death penalty back for these people who were completely innocent. So she oversaw, so this Linda Fairstein oversaw the case and she was criminally negligent. She ignored evidence that didn't fit her narrative. She wanted to find a neat little story and lock these boys up. And she's played in the miniseries by Felicity Huffman, which is like... has clean hands. (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. Everything that Felicity Huffman has been convicted of doing is nothing compared to what Linda Fairstein has done. Exactly. But she is... By comparison, she's a saint. (laughs) Meanwhile, Felicity Huffman is headed to prison, and we don't know. Linda Fairstein is Is busy writing books. So she, she left her career as a prosecutor to write fiction full-time about 15 years ago. She's a bestseller. She's written 20 crime novels. And until this miniseries, most people did not realize that Linda Fairstein was living in a fictional fantasy land all her life, even when she was a prosecutor and supposed to be sticking to the facts. So um, since the show dropped, there's been a hashtag campaign, cancel Linda Fairstein. And um, while she wasn't the only one responsible for the miscarriage of justice in the Central Park Five case, there's no love lost here. And I agree that she should be canceled and she has been canceled. She was dropped by her publisher last week. She had to resign from the board of Vassar College and Safe Horizon, which is a nonprofit. Glamour Magazine retroactively rescinded <laughs> her Woman of the Year award, which they had you given know, to her. You know you've fallen far when Glamour Gla- Magazine... <laughs> is it still published? Glamour? Yes, it is. It is. They have a new editor, too. And so she actually was woman of the year in 1993 if you can believe that but linda fairstein is not taking this lying down she is fighting back she's a fighter and the op-ed pages of the wall street journal my former employer published her self-defense this week and it was an abomination really yes really i saw the headline i couldn't bear to read it i mean it. it is it's so disgraceful she says that the miniseries quote is so full of distortions and falsehoods as to be an outright fabrication and how does she back this up 
She criticizes the timing and the dialogue, which is like for that's narrative, no- that's normal narrative conventions. She says Corey Wise and y- Yusef Salam, who two are the Central Park Five, they were not arrested on the street, but in their homes, which is what like, difference does that make? It's, it's a minor quibble. And basically she says that just because this is the biggest thing, just because they didn't necessarily rape the Central Park jogger doesn't mean that they didn't commit other crimes. What other crimes? That night. Like other people who were Unless assaulted. Unless they raped or murdered someone else. <laughs> they, and even if they did, they should be tried for the crimes that they're suspected of, not right. some other crime that is basically the same thing. And they were accused of those other crimes and they've also since been exonerated from oh, by God. those crimes. And the only evidence of those crimes was statements from the defendant's themselves, which is now understood to be coerced, right? So she ends by saying, Mrs. DuVernay does not define me and her film does not speak the truth. No, no. No. To which I say, Linda, stop talking. No, that thing, that was a work of art and it provided copious evidence that even if there were there was creative license taken, which have had, there has to be, we didn't have recordings of everything, but we did have the recordings of the confessions and I'm sure that whatever was relayed is identical to the confessions because they couldn't make up that up because there's documentary evidence. So if all we had was that, then obviously the core premise of the of the show is true. It's true. And then we also have the DNA evidence and the confession from the person who actually committed the crime and is the only person scientifically linked to the victims. I think the no look, Linda Fairstein is a scumbag. And of course she's going to try to defend herself because she's, her life is going to a tailspin now, rightfully so. But But I give the note to the wall street journal. They should not, there should be be some vetting. It's not like anyone who is victimized by the quote unquote left deserves a platform so they can defend themselves. Exactly. No. No, she should not have like no. She should not have this. She megaphone can just stand on a on a crate on the corner and scream and it on Canal screaming. Street and, if she wants. And also, she should just shut up. She's written twenty books. She's made millions of dollars. She doesn't have to go to jail. The, all these people suffered because of her crimes, and now she should be totally. And they can't get canceled. those years of her life back of no. their life back, and she should give a few of her own. She should be disbarred. She should be jailed. This is terrible. never get a publishing contract again. No, and no. Wall Street Journal, you should issue an apology for publishing for, that. Yes. Yeah. Wall Street Journal, no. no, no. Last week we had an interview and this week we also have an interview. Um, uh, I was on Facebook and I saw this post that stopped me in my tracks because it was very relevant to Nope content. Brian, you had been in London and you were at the West End and you noticed that they were serving bagels in the theater. Ice cream and bagels and schmear. In the theater, they bring them to your seat, and I just we were seeing this ridiculous morose Ibsen play. It wasn't ridiculous; it was great. But the people eating ice cream and like and bagels, ham with bagels <laughs> and pickles, and it was just completely inappropriate. Completely so inappropriate. I, I, I hypothesized without evidence that this was a trend, a plague of people eating inappropriate things in the theater. And and you were correct. Um, so on Facebook, I saw this post from this former business associate of. My his name's Seth Fradkoff, and he's a marketing executive at a movie studio. And he attempted to do something heroic at Tootsie the Musical a which couple I'm weeks ago, which week. you're seeing this week. And so you could think of him when you see it, because no good deed goes unpunished. Okay, let's and just... we had to just talk to him about what happened. So here is my conversation with Seth. Tell me what happened to you last week. So um, a couple weeks ago, I was I went to see Tootsie for a second time. I am an <clears throat> avid theater goer, and I go to the theater multiple times a week. And I uh, 
went to my seat, which was a lovely seat, a couple rows back in the front mezzanine on the aisle, uh, and the overture started, and about two minutes in, I just hear crinkling and, you know, some crunching, perhaps, a couple rows down, and I figure it's the overture, so I'm just going to let it slide, but as Santino takes the stage, and the cast starts singing, this woman keeps crinkling and crunching and crinkling and crunching, and as luck would have it, an usher was coming down the aisle and was late seating another patron. So I said, oh, great, I can tell this usher to please ask this woman to please be quiet, which I did. And the usher at the Marquis Theater simply told me, oh, no, 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 I, I can't do that, and walked away. So the woman Why? Said, Why was he abdicating you know, his responsibility? Well, this is, this I, is your I don't job. Know. You know, it's so funny because usually, and, and, and as an avid theater goer, I've been in situations like this before, and... The theater management and especially the ushers are always thrilled to remind patrons that it is a theater and do please be quiet if you're enjoying refreshments. So I was a little shocked, as you can imagine, but I just, I didn't really know what to do. So this woman finished her pretzels. I believe they were Snyder's Hanover, because I think that's what they were. No, those are so crunchy. You can't stir those. So crunchy. Like a big problem. And the cellophane bag. So it was like a twofer. And then, of course, she finishes it, but she doesn't know what to do with the bag. So there's a, there's a crinkle, crinkle. Do I put it in my purse? Do I fold it up? You know, instead of just throwing it under the chair. So at this point, my blood is kind of boiling. We're probably eight minutes into the show. I'm very excited for the show, meanwhile. And yeah, a minute, a minute later, a minute later, I hear more crinkle, crinkle. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? And I look, and I'm like, oh, no, she is not pulling out another snack. I was like, there's no way she's pulling out another snack. <laughs> so I, I was on the aisle, and I don't know what came over me. Um, you know, I find myself of sound mind, sound mind, excuse me, but what ended up happening is uh, something came over me, and I think years of theatrical interruptions, I went down the two stairs to the row that she was in. I reached across the man on the aisle. I grabbed the package of Twizzlers out of her hand, full-on grabbed them, and I didn't know what to do at that moment, so I kind of threw them up the aisle and went back to my seat. You snapped, you, and, and yeah. you were standing up for human decency. I, mean, I had to. You know what? Like, she was the crunch, the crinkle, the this. I, and, and I had a Twizzler incident last year at Lobby Hero. There was an elderly couple that was enjoying Twizzlers through the whole second half of Act 1. And at intermission, I had the usher basically threatened to kick them out. And it was Twizzlers, I, I will tell you, Twizzlers. So maybe I have a thing with Twizzlers. And, uh, you know, I just, I didn't, I, uh, the man behind me, when I sat back down under his breath, was like, you psychopath, they sell refreshments here. And I was like, oh, my God, what? I was like, the adrenaline was pumping through me. And then um, a man in a suit came down and tapped me on the shoulder and said, sir, I heard there was an incident and the usher was with him. And they're causing, you know, they're like, we have to talk outside, and I was like, okay, and then the usher with him says, I'm sorry to do this, and now look what you've done. You've caused more of a disruption, and I'm, I, my mind, Rachel, was so all over the place because part of me couldn't believe that I'd actually done what I had thought about doing tens of times at the theater, which is ripping sound-inducing snacks out of patrons' hands, and then the other part of me was like, oh, great, now I'm not going to get to see the rest of Tootsie again before the Tony. So... Yeah, I think they're targeting the wrong person. Had the usher just responded to your initial complaint, the right person would have been dealt with. You none snapped. Of this, none of this would have happened. 
but so I, uh, we go outside, and the, the, I guess he was security, asked me to recount the story, to which I did. Um, he said, well, you know, you can't touch other patrons in the theater. And I said, I understand that I didn't touch another patron. I just touched her Twizzlers. He said, you need to I was like, well, I mean, I'm not a violent person, so that was never going to happen. I said, you know, and then he went on to say, that's why we have a staff, and you should let an usher know if there's an issue. Well, that's when well, I said, well, you did. And I said, you know, I did tell your usher. She told me that she couldn't do that. He's like, well, I don't know if we can let you back in. I said, you know what? I'll stop you. I said, I've seen the show already. I'm just going to go. Thank you. He's like, well, we were going to make you leave anyhow. I said, that's all fine. So I left. My friend Joelle, who was with me, thank God, stayed and enjoyed the show. You know, she said there was a lot of scuttlebutt at intermission. And the kicker, Rachel, is that when I left, apparently someone appeared with a new bag of Twizzlers for the for the uh, culprit. You know, I think there's, a, 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 in all seriousness, kind of a greater conversation here, which is, I understand the economics of theater, as you know, because we go way back. I work in film. I yes. understand entertainment. I understand film, theater. It's a business. And I understand that there is a lot of money to be made on refreshments. So don't get me wrong. I understand that. However, there has to be kind of more rules put in place. There has to be better policies about refreshments in theaters. Um, you know, whether it's figuring out proper packaging, whether it's not selling things in cellophane packages, whether it's if, if you buy candy or snacks that are noisy, they have to be consumed before you enter the theater. So it's before the show or it's by the end of intermission. And I think that the front of house staff, there needs to be more strict rules about if you are, you know, crinkling your your thing, you get a warning and you're going to be kicked out of the show. I'm sure you've yes. seen it and, and you can look on Twitter. Actors complain about it all the time. And unless someone is going through a diabetic shock, I really believe they can hold an hour without eating a goddamn pretzel or a Sour Patch Kid. That's just me. Okay, I don't think we, I don't, I have nothing to add or subtract well, I mean, from that. You oh, said yeah, it all. I mean, just nope to this usher who kicked Seth out. <laughs> to the usher, out. to the Twizzler, and, <laughs> to the and preemptive woman. yup to Seth. Seth, you're a god. You're a, you're a patron of the arts. You're, you're a, a defender of the righteous. <laughs> a defender of the voiceless. <laughs> you uplift us all. Okay. So, so yep, Seth, nope. Yep to, to Seth and, and yep the, to Tootsie. What's the theater? Marquee Theater? The Marquee well, I'll be there. I'll, let, I'll, I'll report back next week well, as to how and, it was. And if you see someone munching on Twizzlers, what are you going to do? I'm going to walk right up to them and throw it in the aisle. <laughs> yes. and, and if it's an act of civic disobedience if i get thrown out then so be it so i'm standing on the shoulders of giants <laughs> shut it down no, no. <laughs> okay um you were at your college reunion yeah um i i worked to pay my contribution towards paying my way through college did you have to work at all or i didn't okay i, I mean i'm, I'm gonna proudly <laughs> say i'm very lucky i didn't but i i did go to a, a state school that's Cornell. right Yep. Uh, I did not, and I had to pay. I had a contribution, and I worked very hard uh, to do that. So, But if you had had to work uh, to pay your way through college, what, what kind of job do you think you would have done? What do, what do people do? They like work in the they dining hall. They work in the campus store. Right, exactly. Gerald worked at a Japanese restaurant. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Did he learn to roll sushi? No, but he speaks Japanese, so he was able to like practice it. Oh, while so it was edifying yeah. as well. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story of uh, 19-year-old Bo Jessup. It's a woman, B-E-A-U. Um, she's British, and she made hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay her pounds, I guess, 
to pay her way through college. Where does she, she go to college? In, in England, <laughs> it's not even that expensive to go to college. Well, she, she made a profit. She, she drank on the rest of the pub. And um, she did this by naming Chinese babies. That what? was her side hustle. That was her side hustle. So apparently, Chinese people uh, think that their children need American or English language names in order to compete in the in the international economy, in the global economy. Um, but they're very sensitive to them being culturally appropriate because, you know, in Chinese culture, numbers and names and characters are very significant towards yes, them. So it has yes, to be aus- auspicious. auspicious yes. right? Everything has to be <laughs> 999 auspicious. Eight, eight is the lucky oh, eight, number. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that was racist of me. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Okay. So she has this algorithm where she generates names for Chinese babies, and she has named 677,900 Chinese babies. The fact that she's named so many babies should tell you that her names are not significant. <laughs> she's not able to put no, any No, let me tell you about this. I'll tell you about how she does it. She got the idea when her father was on a business trip there and she went along and someone had a baby and they were asking for a name. They they were lamenting that they needed an English name and she asked her like what what is it about the baby? And they said she has so much potential to improve herself, so she suggested Eliza after Eliza do let do little. <laughs> <laughs> from my fair lady okay um that she improved herself yes okay so um she did a ted talk actually now uh, here's the quote traditionally these names would be self-assigned or given by teachers but due to language barriers and internet censorship in china the ability to research them could be limited often resulting in unfortunate and sometimes comical selections okay. highlighting examples like rolex wang and <laughs> and gandalf Wu. <laughs> Who has a bright future in Mordor, Middle Earth, right? And Rolex Wang is destined to be in the horologist. Okay, so the way she does it, here's her algorithm. People, because it's scalable, she doesn't have to do any work. People go online. It's called uh, what's it called? Uh, Chinese name does she she must speak chinese yeah chinese special name okay. it's called so they choose five characteristics for their baby from a list of 12 um the ones that they would most like their child to embody in the future and then there's an algorithm that generates three gender specific names uh the the chinese parents are encouraged to share these suggestions with their friends and family vote on it and come up with one that they like okay i like that that I, I think that's interesting. It's very collaborative. It's like crowdsourcing a name. But however, I think that like we're on our way down and China's on its way up. <laughs> yes. And I think it should be the reverse. I think we should, they should be... be helping us pick Chinese names. <laughs> yes. Right. They're very enlightened that they know they need English names. It's like when you go to okay, I'm not gonna go there. It, but like, like, it's like they don't that, need English names. No. We, we need Chinese names. We definitely do. Okay. So if you go to the website, which I'm sure you'll link to, there are cartoons like very comical cartoons of babies all over the place and they have like little thought bubbles with their names and there are very common names like george and susan and colette which i guess is not that common but then there's and they're all happy with their names and then there's this one baby who's like like unhappy and there's a little name tag that says mini mini like 
M-I-N-N, like Minnie Mouse, okay. not like a Minnie Cooper. And um, she's clearly unhappy with Minnie. So that's what happens if you don't use a service, if you wind, you wind up, up with a name like, like an like, inauspicious name like, like Minnie. Min- like Minnie Mortimer, who's related to Tinsley. Oh, I don't know Minnie Mortimer. <laughs> I think she's her ex-sister-in-law. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Topper's sister? <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I think that the Chinese should just be presented with a list. Just a nice list of nice... English language names. They, there's no phony algorithm. This is a. This is a. This a, is a very so, smart. This is a solution. It's smart on Bo Jessup, but it's a solution in need of a problem. It's a hammer in search of a nail. This is nonsense. How much is she charging per name? Seventy nine cents. Seventy. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. You should okay. charge a premium if you're at least going to do this. Charge a premium. Uh, yes, at least. Is like, that what your child's life is worth? Seventy nine cents. She could have charged like ten bucks. Life is cheap. Yeah. This is. In- <laughs> you're just going to go with a seventy nine cent name. name from like a website from Bo Jessup. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Shut, Shut this it down. down. Okay. Well, you know. These East Asian trends do have a way of uh, permeating the Western world. We are all bound together in one garment of destiny. One big Pacific nation right now. So there was a New York Times profile this week that caught my eye that I was really interested in. It's about a woman named Bethany Gaskin. She's 44, and she has become a millionaire by eating giant crab legs on YouTube. I saw this article, and I was so (laughs) mad. I was so jealous. Right, so she's become a millionaire by eating giant crab legs on YouTube. There's nothing... More I would like delicious. to do more, right? When people ask you, what do you be want to be when you grow up? What is your dream job? I didn't even know that that was a job. It's a job now. So she has 1.8 million YouTube subscribers. She has almost a million followers on Insta, including Cardi B. Wow. Who loves this. And here's what she does, because I watched this video. She sits down in front of the camera with this, like, baking tray full of crabs and lobsters <laughs> And fried chicken and shrimp. Delicious. (laughs) And then she just like talks to you like a normal person. And it's just like very engaging. She's very personable. And all the while she's like cracking mussels and lobster tails and like hard boiled eggs and roasted red tomatoes. And just I'm like tr- eating it as if you're like at the table with her. Yes, but, but, but you're, you're not, not eating. eating. <laughs> She's so just like painful. binging. It's like it's like the world's worst all you can eat buffet. It's like one of those buffets at like Sizzler where they have like a little or Vegas where they have a little bit of everything and you pile on like green beans and roast beef and lobster and potato salad. Except and, you're not allowed to eat and the person <laughs> you have to watch someone else eating it. And she's got this famous smackalicious sauce where she dips everything in the sauce and it's very sensory. As soon as she starts talking to you, she'll like start telling you a story and then she'll take a break and pick up like a lobster tail and then she's like dipping it and lip smacking and shell cracking she's and like she's Nigella sort of like Lawson, and Oz. yeah but like not like your normal food network like Rachel Ray take a <laughs> taste and say so good or Guy Fieri she is like all she's like food gasming yeah right like sales gasm <laughs> <laughs> Now this this is she's not the only one. This is uh comes from South Korea. It's called mukbang. Okay. And um it it's a portmanteau and it comes from the Korean word for let's eat which is mukja and broadcasting with his bang song. And for her this is more than just a business even though it's made her a millionaire. She says it is her calling. She says I think of mukbanging 
It's like the verb of that is just too much. I think of mukbanging as a ministry. I didn't consult with my husband before I quit my job. I knew this was it, and I and I quit by faith. And she, what was her job? Oh, she was a. Um, <laughs> she had a real job. She was like a real estate. No, she was agent. like a consumer. She was like a computer circuit repair person. Oh my goodness! Like she had a. She's educated. She had a real job, and she quit that to eat crab See, legs. Who and among her, us and, wouldn't want to do that? And their husband retired as well. Um, and it's having a big impact on the cu- the culture. So she times the releases to align with dinner time because uh-huh. it supposedly induces appetite, but then when other people are nauseated by it and it curbs their appetite, if they're trying to lose weight, and there's a big um, dispute in the dietary community about whether this encourages overeating, <clears throat> but the most intriguing you know, medical consequence of this is neurological. And the claim is that it induces this ASMR thing. Have you... you like we've meditation. Talked about, <clears throat> like- no, we've heard about ASMR. It's like when you look at a pattern... You like you look at a certain type of pattern, like the skin of a melon, uh-huh. and it's they call it sparkling brain tingles. What? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this on note before. It's like this weird phenomenon, and um, so when you watch quote trigger videos, it sparkles brain tingles. And one one viewer testified the videos put me to sleep and relax me. It makes my hair on my arms stand up and gives me goosebumps because it's so relaxing. It like triggers something in your brain, the but ASMR that cortex. That doesn't make any sense. When you're relaxed, your hair on your arms isn't standing up. This person That's a has trivial no detail. The point is this lady is eating giant crab legs and people are fainting. She's crab wife. She's crab wife. Okay. Her Bethany Caskin, I am thrilled for your success. I wish you all the best. Enjoy your crab legs. Enjoy your fortunes. But I'm sorry, I cannot approve of this. I will not be watching I'm your videos. I'm just jealous. I'm mad I didn't think of this first. <laughs> this is no nope to business us. Model. <laughs> if someone walked business. into our startup accelerator and said, I have a business model. I'm going to eat crab legs on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> no, but People would be like, what's the market size? But the thing is, you have to believe in your vision and you have to commit to and it. And never, never quit. And never give never up. Never <laughs> Never stop chopping. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Okay, Rachel, what's next? So, okay. So I want to talk about graduation. There's a lot of graduations going on right now. And, um, yes, commencement. Commencement. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. AJ is going through his pre-K commencement. commencement next week. We only have two tickets to it. But anyway, so there's this very elite small school on an island in Massachusetts called Cuddy Hunk Island. Have you oh, heard yeah. of Cuddy Hunk Island? No, but it sounds like an island in Massachusetts. Uh, okay. So like for the eighth grade graduating class last year, they, they had a retired astronaut give the commencement address. The very person's cool. name was Katie Coleman. And this year they really wanted to go big. So they tried for Oprah. They tried for <laughs> Michelle Obama. And ultimately they got Jenny Slate. She oh. said, yes, yeah, she would give the eighth but grade. But she's cooler than those people She's in some so ways. cool. She's So she's, you know, one of these... Indie darling, Indie darling, triple threats, comedian, actress, writer, director. She played a character on Parks and Rec, and she was dating Chris Evans previously, and now she's dating an artist named Ben Shattuck, who I wrote about. Profiled in your Vanity Fair article. (laughs) Look it up. Yes, and he lives near Cuddyhunk Island and runs the Cuddyhunk Island Writer's residency, which I would love to attend <laughs> We would love to attend. Call us. <laughs> Call us. Um, so anyway, so Jenny's giving the speech and 
she said in this article in the New York Times that she's given commencement speeches before, but this one is particularly nerve wracking. And she felt a lot of pressure. And she was like, Oh, my God, are you sure that they want me? And um, that's because the school is really small. Um, do you want to know how many students? They have? <laughs> <laughs> like, a, so it's a high school, though. No, it's it's an eighth grade. It's an elementary it's an school. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Doug went to a small school. I think per class there were like 64 people. I went to like a school that had 400 people per class. Okay. College had 1,600 people per class. How many people? I see this coming. How many people were at <laughs> Cuddy Hunk? <laughs> Cuddy Hunk Elementary. Yes. <laughs> One. <laughs> so it was more like a meet and greet. <laughs> I thought you would say like six or four. There's one person. Her name is is Gwendolyn. She's 13. She didn't know who Jenny Slate was at first. They could have at least given her like an orientation and showed her uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, or what's the movie? Obvious Obvious Child. Child, Yeah. Yeah. um, But so. Jenny's very excited. They've had a lot of conversations. <laughs> it's like a one-on-one tutorial. <laughs> one on, but there is going to be, like, the whole community is going to come out. There's only 12 people who live on the island. Oh, my God. But 100 people will be there. There's there's going to be a community potluck. They're shipping them in. But my whole thing is, like, this is not scalable. Why does this, <laughs> this is one, not a business Why does model. Gwen Lynch get Jenny Slate for her commencement speaker? <laughs> Why couldn't this be done over Skype? Jenny Slate deserves a bigger audience. Why can't Jenny? Why can't Jenny be given? That, you know, there should be commencement as a service. There should be a subscription service where you can basically tune in to the commencement speaker of your choice, like Cameo. <clears throat> like Cameo, you can get a personalized get reading. Like Ramona, <laughs> Ramona Singer can give your commencement address. You pick who you want. That's yours. Nobody's paying attention during the actual service anyway. So you just put on like virtual reality glasses and then you're at someone else's or they're in a green screen. Like (laughs) Oprah's just in a green screen somewhere at like Harpo Studios. And then she's given your your commencement address. And you could just substitute the name of the school. Yeah, there's nothing unique to whatever school. They give commencement addresses every year. And it could be just like a hologram and no (laughs) one will ever be the wiser. And it's scalable. It is. That's a scalable business model. I will invest in that. One on one, yes. (laughs) No. Yes. (laughs) No to Cuddy Sark. (laughs) Cuddy Cuddy Hug. Elementary school, middle school. Jenny, what are you doing? Jenny, that's insane. Maybe she just wanted the free, like, charter jet to get there for like a weekend vacation but she's there anyway because her husband runs oh, the writer's residency well, then maybe she thought maybe like she was just what am i gonna do i'm gonna go to the grocery store or i'll give the commencement she address she was in the neighborhood she was in the neighborhood <laughs> no, no the whole thing is ridiculous shut this down no, no no okay okay now we have come to yet an okay so a little mini yup to seth but let's do some more yups uh, these yups, are the things yeah. that we love these are the things that despite all these terrible things gave us a little beacon of hope a little ray of light rachel why don't you go first yeah, so I've been very heavy on the TV content, but, you know, there's just a lot of great shows out there, and Big Little Lies Season 2 just dropped. Oh, I watched the first episode, yeah. It's so fantastic, and you see, like, Meryl Streep is in this season, and Good she, luck, anybody else. And everyone, Good luck, rest of world, stealing the show from her. Good luck, rest of world. She is vibrating on a higher frequency <laughs> than the rest of us, and she is amid a cast of all fantastic actors and actresses, and she's already stealing scenes and taking 
fucking names. And I just feel like, I mean, Josh and I were like howling on the couch with well, each Well, she scene. was howling too because she was, that she did that scream that scream. scream. I know. I've never heard Meryl Streep scream like that. I want to hear it every day. It was music to my I wanted to, to make it my ringtone. <laughs> it, was, it was fabulous. I think that she should do like what uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge does in Fleabag and like break the fourth wall after just every turn scene. To the- turn to the camera and say, and that is how it's done, my friends. Because she's fabulous. That wasn't a murder. This is a murder. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so yep to, yep of course, to Meryl Street. That's yep almost to too easy. My yeah. uh, quick yep goes to John Stewart, who testified before Congress about how the treatment of the 9-11 uh, first responder survivors, many of whom are he's, uh, was alongside a victim who has gone through something like 69 chemotherapy treatments. They've been treated terribly, which is incredibly sh- incredible shame. I mean, is there no greater responsibility we have as a society than to take care of these people and our veterans? And yet Congress, not only have they has the government treated them terribly, but there was almost nobody on the panel actually listening to this testimony. Uh, John Stewart unleashed this incredible speech that shamed them all. For once, I'm going to give it up to the New York Post, who printed the names of the committee members who weren't there and their phone numbers nice. to be able to shame them. And it was Democrats and Republicans equally. Today, luckily, they passed the bill unanimously, but it was only because they were shamed. They probably would have probably would have gone like 50th on the docket otherwise. Brian, we don't deserve John Stewart. He is too good. No, he's too good. He lives near here, but uh, I've seen him around here. Yeah, actually. I saw him in the playground with his kid. And you're sporting a similar look. <laughs> That's the nicest today. thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> I wish I had his comedic chops, but he's... I do not. No, you do. You have some. Yeah. Oh, thank we... you. A little yeah. dry Jewish. Droll. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all identify, but this was not comedic at all. He was dead fucking serious, and I was crying when I listened to the speech. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, uh, yep, to John Stewart. Woof, that wraps up. Uh, we did everything from Chernobyl to Twizzlers this <laughs> week. What could possibly go yes. wrong? <laughs> we are we are back. In we, the... are, we are on a rocket ship. Our numbers are doing great. Thank you so much. So many people are listening. Not just a lot of people, but influential, important. Uh, even if you're not influential or important, you're passionate. That's what we care about, the passion. The passion. It's incredible. Share this podcast Show with your, your friends. Show your passion. What good is passion if you don't exude it? If you don't, yeah, tell somebody. Yeah, have it coming out of your pores. <laughs> and if you can't have it coming, if you don't control what comes out of your pores, you then can control what, well, what comes out of your, your fingers. I do. <laughs> right, which by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Thank you so much again. This has been a terrible, terrible week, but a really fun podcast to record. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can talk about nothing. Shoot the shit. We got shit to shoot.